I'm Marsha Perkins with KPN TV, and I'm here with Cynthia Bioli, Dr. Cynthia Bioli um, of Adult Foster Care of the North Shore. And um, Cynthia is here to tell us about the program, how it started, and how it works, and how it's funded. Cynthia? Good morning. Thank you for having me. Uh, what do we do? We, if we find homes for adults with disabilities, and we also facilitate existing family situations. We're a mass health program, and we serve all of Essex County. We've got about 400 clients placed throughout Essex County. And starting in 2007, mass health allowed family members to be paid caregivers through adult foster care. So, uh, for example, uh, a daughter, and it's usually a female, a daughter can be taking care of an elderly parent with, for example, dementia, and the daughter can quit her job, stay home, and take care of the parent and be paid for it and have a team assigned to her, a nurse and a social worker who visit regularly and were on call 24-7. And um, how did you uh, come across the need for this program, Cynthia? I know you, um, you organized the... Um, you started the program in Gloucester, and um, what made you realize that we had a need for that? Uh, I was a primary care physician beforehand, and I saw the need all the time in nursing home populations, aging populations, disabled populations. And then in 1999, I read an article in the New York Times magazine about a, they called it foster senior care in New Jersey. And uh, I read that, and I called them up in New Jersey and asked them how we could go about starting it in Massachusetts. And they said, oh, you've already got it in Massachusetts. You've had it in Massachusetts for 20 years. And I said, no, 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 we don't. I would have known about it. But it turned out we did. Very small program. It had been started uh, in, in the 1970s at Mass General. Uh, and it just never took off for some reason. And there were maybe 15 programs throughout the state. Uh, and as the concept grew, uh, and as MassHealth allowed family members to become paid caregivers, the program has grown a lot, and there are probably now about 100 programs throughout Massachusetts. We're the biggest in, private one in, in uh, Essex County, and uh, that's all we do. So we think we're the best at what we do. And uh, So I understand you have a couple of different levels of care, um, and those are... Um compensated differently? There's level one and level two, and level two is a more intense physical need. So level one clients um, have one daily personal care need, and level two clients have three daily personal care needs, and that could include two daily personal care needs plus a behavior. So we have a lot of uh, young people in our program, for example, with autism, people that need, that can't be left alone, that have daily needs. Well, you, these um, young people, they have, uh, you have social activities for them as well? Um. MassHealth is very generous. They pay not only for adult foster care, they also pay for day programs. In addition to what MassHealth provides of medication, doctor's visits, etc. But uh, a lot of our clients go to either day programs or sheltered workshops, and so they'll get picked up in the morning 
go to their program, stay until 2 or 3 in the afternoon, and then get driven home. How do you choose? For instance, it says um, adult foster care uses a careful matching process to find a caregiver that, giver that is right for you. Now, you mentioned families taking care of um, relatives, but if it's not a family member, first of all, how does a person um, connect initially with your organization? And then how do you um, go through finding and screening a caregiver for that person? People apply with calling us up, or you can even apply on our website, Adult Foster Care NS, as in NorthShore.com, 978-281-2612. Can you repeat that, please? 978-281-2612. People apply to us, and a lot of our, we call them either a family-to-family placement or a matched placement, which where these people meet through us. So say someone came to us uh, who needed a home and had a disability, we would, and we've gotten, for example, somebody who's been in a nursing home and doesn't really belong in a nursing home. We'll go meet that person, get to know the person thoroughly through care plans, discussions with people, the staff, uh, nurses, social workers, et cetera, find out what the person's likes and dislikes are, what they can handle, and we try and come up with somebody who would be a good match and a home where the person wants to be, uh, where the person is physically able to manage. And then we introduce the people, and there's a long matching process. It takes at least a couple of months of meetings, an overnight, at least one overnight, and at any point in the process, either party, the, the host or the client, may say, may decline the match. And similarly, if, if some, someone is placed in a home and is living there for a while and things go south, it's up to us to make sure that the patient, the client, rather we call them the clients, is safe and we find another placement for that person. How does a person um, become a caregiver? What kind of... Um requirements are there and well initially um, how would they apply and uh, how would they be screened? Um, Applying is the same way. Call us up and start the process. Uh, The screening is MassHealth has very strict regulations and we've embellished those so anyone who comes to us saying they want to be a caregiver has uh, home inspection, interviews, doctor's clearance, references, criminal record checks, and then, of course, all the visits with the client. So by the time we, someone becomes a caregiver, we, know them, we think we know them pretty well. And at this point, we've been in business for about 16 years, and we have many people throughout Essex County that have been with us and Um, that we can rely on in an emergency or for a vacation or something like that. So in other words, um, if you take somebody into your home, you're not stuck with them 24 hours a day. If you need respite, you have respite. Yes, and uh, MassHealth will pay. It's like a paid vacation for a caregiver for uh, 14 days per year that the caregiver gets paid and a respite caregiver gets paid. And you can take as many as three clients, a maximum of three clients. And so we've got two or three females, uh, homeowners, who have um, have had as many as three clients at a time who have made a living of this, and it's a comfortable 
living. Uh, so I could actually talk about the payment. Level one, Mass Health pays the caregiver twenty-seven fifty a day. Level two is fifty-one dollars a day. Plus, the client pays a room and board charge that covers meals and laundry, and it's all tax-free. No state taxes, no federal taxes. Okay, does the client have their own spending money as well? Yes. Clients usually, if they are capable of handling their own money, they do. Otherwise, they'll have a representative payee or a rep payee, somebody who handle their money, pay the caregiver, and give the patient uh, usually like an allowance plus whatever's necessary. Uh, the patient, the client will pay for his or her own clothing, toiletries, entertainment, things like that. And what about um, like behavior problems? Like these clients, a lot of them need help with bathing and that sort of thing. Um, now some of them, I would imagine, probably don't want to bathe. How do, how do you um, deal with um, a client's behavioral issues? Do you have somebody um, come in and help with that? That's a tough one because some of these people are very behavioral, perhaps not for their own, from their own fault, but uh, uh, a lot of our caregivers are used to it. They've been dealing with adults with disabilities for many years, and you just do what you have to do. In extreme situations, if somebody is really behavioral, then we're talking hospitalization or emergency room visits, and the patients are followed by their own physician, physicians who uh, manage medications, and we try and keep things on an even keel. So do the caregivers get um, training? Like, suppose you're um, a caregiver for a diabetic. Do you get trained on how to um, administer shots and what to watch for as far as um, diabetic reactions? Yes, we, we do all of that. We do not do hands-on medical care, but we can help. The, we teach people how to check blood sugars, how to administer insulin, what to watch for as far as a low sugar, what to watch for as far as a high sugar. And um, we're on call 24-7, and there is an RN assigned to each home so that you can call that person at any time. And we feel that we do keep people out of the emergency room. There are a lot of times where the simple intervention of somebody who understands the medical issues can keep things on an even keel until appropriate medical attention is administered. And um, these um, placements, are they meant to be, are they in any case uh, meant to be short-term or are they all um, long-term placements looking forward to creating um, a pseudo family for the, for the client? Ideally, they're long-term. We have had some short-term ones where somebody, for example, is recovering from uh, an illness or operation. Um, the, the process takes so long that the, to match someone and get it going that it doesn't lend itself to short-term care. But we have some people, our very first client was placed in, was not placed, it was in some, an existing uh, situation up in Salisbury where a very kind family had taken in a young woman with a disability, mental disability, and they read our ad in the paper way back then and uh, called us up, and they said, she's not related to us. Would she qualify? And we went and we checked it out, and sure enough, she did. Uh, and at that point, they were pretty much doing it on their own. 
So that was our first client placed in February of 2002, and she's still with us. She was a, um, or is a, mentally limited girl who had grown up in a state institution, the Fernald School. And then back in the, I think it was the 70s, they closed down a lot of the state institutions and tried to get people back into the community. And she was one of those who, and she couldn't make it in the community, so had been taken in by this family. And we've had several other, our, our success stories have been people that are motivated to stay in the community to either work or volunteer or go to a program and get along with the family, follow the rules of the home. Uh, and uh, we've got many placements that have been more than 10 years. I see you have a lot of articles here um, commemorating um, clients and uh, showing clients and their foster care providers and all of them look happy and they're hugging and serving meals and and it looks like a really um, comfortable way to go um, rather than you know being in a nursing home or something impersonal um, this really that's looks what we like think, the way yeah. to go oh definitely uh, uh, definitely we think that you're you're home you're in the community you have your own room you have home cooked food it's a whole different world um, now are many of your clients um, what we would consider mentally ill? Yes, I would say probably 30% of our clients have a mental illness of some sort, either uh, mental retardation, which is now referred to as developmental disability, or autism, or um, psychosis, and families trying to manage these sorts of things. Uh, it's difficult. It's very difficult, and having support and uh, medical attention available at the spur of the moment is uh, valuable. So working in this field, um, it must be very stressful on um, people who uh, do the matches and um, provide the structure and um, deal with these families on a daily basis. Now, um, I understand you have um, sort of monitors, especially early on in placements who um, go into the home. Well, first of all, what do you need in a home? Um, what are the qualifications, and um, how is this monitored, and how stressful is it on the caregivers? I mean, do you have a, a high burnout? Um, I'm going to take that in two parts. The homes, Mass Health again, has very lengthy regulations, so homes can be owned or rented. They must be in good shape. They must meet all of the qualifications of safety, you know, handrails and so forth. Uh, the client has to have his or her own bedroom, and bathrooms can be shared. The home does not have to be physically handicapped accessible unless the patient, the client needs that. But some of our clients are perfectly capable of walking up and down stairs. So it does, and we inspect the homes when we when we first uh, become involved with the home, and then it's once a year after that. The client's rooms are must be personalized with a window and a door, and uh, um, the second part of that question was what? Oh, burnout for caregivers. It happens. Uh, we try and support our caregivers as much as we can, and some people are born to do this. Some people just love it, and they, you know, they've got an empty bedroom. They have, for example, an empty nester who 
you know, wants someone to mother, it really works. Uh, one of our caregivers in uh, Essex County has uh, has three clients and has had had them had three clients wrote of various combinations over the years and uh, is very happy about it. They go to church with her. They all go to program in the morning, and uh, it's worked very well. Well, that's it's um it's definitely a wonderful program. I'm now um, as far as transition now. Um, you um, had mentioned that you had um, one couple, a married couple, that were in care. Um, and I guess the wife passed away and the husband's still in care. Yes. Um, that, was a, that was a family in Salem. Uh, both parents uh, with dementia, um, daughter taking care of them, and... Uh, similar sort of thing she had I think she had heard our ad and called us up and uh, then she had both parents for like five years and then the mother passed away and uh, do you support like grief counseling for the husband or we definitely support grief counseling yes and there are uh, we, we facilitate it we are not only in the home on a regular basis and getting to know the families. Families are like our families. They become attached to us. Um, and they're also, we refer people to other grief counseling if, when necessary. Um, finally, now, um, if someone's in care and the caregiver, uh, it turns out the caregiver, either for reasons of illness or death or whatever, um, can no longer care for that individual, um, what kind of transition is there while you're um, maybe waiting for another placement? Well, in a in a ideal situation, we'd have notice of what was happening. For example, if a caregiver was becoming disabled, we would work on a plan. R emergencies do happen. For example, some a caregiver may have some medical emergency and have to go into the hospital. It's up to us to make sure that the client is safe. Uh, in rare situations, clients are nursing home eligible, so we can somebody can stay at a nursing home for a temporary period of time. But we do try to get people with other, either family members or respite care providers. And how do you work um, transitions, for instance, with the caregivers? Suppose um, a client um, decompensates in some way, like if they have, for instance, Alzheimer's and. Um, the disease progresses to the point where they need to be removed and put in a, um, a nursing home or a, um, a more intense care facility. How do you deal with that? That has also happened, and uh, it's unfortunate. But these, you know, the disease progresses, and it's there is comes a point where the caregiver says, "I this person is no longer able to be taken care of at home," and and uh, so. We try and do it as smoothly as possible. But we do it. We do it every day at some level. Thank you so much for your time, Dr. Burley. Um, would you once again please give the uh, number and contact information? Sure. And um, Thank you for having me. This is uh, The phone number is 978-281-2612, and it's Adult Foster Care of the North Shore. Thank you, Cynthia. Keep up the good work. Thank you.